the pens and the best pens coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh, an iHeart Radio station. Couple tweets here coming in. First of all, from Nate. What is this? At the original Nate. Okay, fine. Whatever. That's not important. <laughs> but his tweet is very important. How about the Gronkster? I'm in. I'm in. I will buy Gronkster t-shirts, whatever he wants. Gronkster wrestling boots, a cape, a helmet. I don't care. Just get him out of the league and get him involved in wrestling. Fine. Also, another tweet coming in. Someone getting some serious meat for Valentine's Day. Hashtag Schwanstruck. Kara, stay in touch with us. Let us know what's going on. We have to find this swan's truck before we sign off at 6 o'clock and go to the pregame show. All right, interesting conversation we had yesterday, I thought. Boy, we got a lot of response to it. I know that. Tim Ben's in for Mark Madden today, by the way. Brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Um, we were talking about Sidney Crosby and his 400th goal and whether or not Sid could do anything statistically to catch Mario Lemieux in the eyes of Penguins fans when it comes to on-ice greatness. Like, what would Sid still have to do before he retired to be considered the best hockey player in Penguins history? And I threw out a couple examples. Like, would he need two more Stanley Cups? Would he need one more Conn Smythe? Would he need um, 1,500 points and, say, 600 goals? And I got a couple tweets overnight, people saying, well, you know, you're talking about the difference between scoring now versus scoring in Mario's era. Keep in mind, though, when all things were equal amongst the players, Mario still won six Art Ross trophies and Sid's only won two. Okay, that's a fair point. So we put this poll up online to, you know, sort of get some results from the masses as to whether or not we thought it was possible. So I, I used those exact statistical delineations to say vote for Sid or vote for Mario, and... 44% of you by the end said, yes, it's possible that if Sid were to hit those milestones, he could catch Mario as the all-time greatest Penguin of all time. 56% of you said, no, Sidney Crosby will never be Mario Lemieux. So as the night went along, the voting went more and more in Mario's direction. It was like 50-50 throughout the course of the show, and then we got a much wider gap on it. And uh, when Jonathan Babuli from the Trib came on and talked to us, I, I posed the question to him, and you know, I think he had the opinion of many by the end, which was if you're just talking about hockey skill and greatness that Sid could likely never catch Mario, if you're talking about two-way game and team accomplishments, if Sid were to win some more cups, then yes. But he made an interesting point midway through the conversation that sort of took us in a different direction that I wanted to follow up on. If you miss what Jonathan said here, this is a different clip than what we played yesterday. I wanted to run it back for you. Here was Jonathan in the 3 o'clock hour of yesterday's show. Part of it is, is you know, off-the-ice stuff, too, where it's just, you know, I mean, Mario's an icon. He's, a, he's, he's so synonymous with the franchise. Is there another person in the world more synonymous with a sports franchise than Mario Lemieux and the Pittsburgh Penguins? That's an impossible hill to climb in, like, a big-picture sense. And I started thinking about that. Like, how many other guys... Are there out there that are that symbolically linked with their team beyond Mario? And, you know, when Jonathan said that, I rattled off a few, like right away. So I thought the list might be more vast than maybe Jonathan was given a credit for. But then I started to run out. Like, uh, I'll give you a for instance. Um, 
Jonathan came up with Elway. I think that's a great example. There's no single Denver Bronco who is as identifiably associated with their team as John Elway by a country mile. Um, We just talked about the Patriots. There's no way you can come up with anybody as a player who's more identifiable with that team than Tom Brady. You could say Belichick, but he's a coach. And uh, like with the Packers, you could say Lombardi, but he's a coach. And then like with the Packers, you get into Favre versus Star. Even a guy like Joe Montana. Okay, is Joe Montana more singularly identifiable with the 49ers than Jerry Rice is? I don't know that he is. I mean, I'm not a lifelong Niner fan. Probably, but it's not by much. So that list is really small. And like, Bob just put this up there, which is ironic. This is exactly where I was going with it. I'm going to link it to more of a modern-day discussion here, but how much of that role does Clemente have with the Pirates? And how generational is baseball in this conversation? It's really hard. I mean, it's really hard to have a debate like that with baseball because it spans so many years and so many eras. And for me... As I've gotten older, which is weird because I'm just further and further away from having never seen Clemente play and the misty watercolored memories that I have of Parker and Stargell, you would think for me that it would still be Parker and Stargell, but you know, the longer I've been in Pittsburgh now and have been immersed in the fan culture, yeah, Clemente's pretty close to the Pirates, like closer than you would think for a lot of teams. Babe Ruth for the Yankees? Yeah. But what about Jeter? What about DiMaggio? What about Mantle? So it's it's actually harder than I thought to come up with that list. Especially when you get to really great historic teams. Which of the 45 Canadians do you want to name first? Gretzky's a little different. Gretzky was singularly identifiable with the Oilers above and beyond any of those other guys. Was Mike Bossy all that much more identifiable than Billy Smith or Dennis Potvin? I don't know. I grew up near Long Island in the 80s as a Penguin fan, of course, but, you know, immersed with watching the Islanders win all the time. I always felt like those guys were almost talked about together. Uh, Trache thrown into that mix, too, by the way. So 412-333-9939. You can also tweet me at Tim Benz, PGH. Where this comes into modern-day play is if baseball is a unique animal, a different animal, because of how long the game has been around, you kind of have to go in, I don't know, quadrants of the last century or 30- to 40-year stretches. And what is it going to be like at PNC Park this year when Pirate fans go there and there's no Andrew McCutcheon? For Pirate fans who don't know baseball, after, or sorry, before 1992, for Pirate fans who grew up in the post-Bonds era, your icon, your Elway, your Gretzky, your Lemieux, your Clemente, your Montana or Rice is gone, subtracted. And like, I- I'm on Twitter yesterday before the show starts, and I'm thinking, all right, do I want to work in some baseball? Should we talk about some Pirates here? Pitchers and catchers reporting. Some of the guys were getting there early, some of the new acquisitions. I'm thinking to myself, I'm just... I'm not there. I am so not there when it comes to talking about baseball on the field with this team right now. I am trying. 
I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to wrap my head around. You know, I heard it a couple times today. There's a couple articles. I think the Trib has one, and I've seen it bandied about a couple other places. Like, Kutch is gone, so is Josh Bell the face of the franchise. Like, how can I even put myself in that way of thinking of Josh Bell being the face of the franchise? Your Elway for this generation of Pirate Baseball is gone. There's a lot of people out there who thought that this was going to be around for a while. And it's been subtracted after a mini three-year run. That's just, it's got to be so deflating, disheartening. It just, there was a juxtaposition there between the two conversations yesterday that struck me. And if you want to respond again, uh, again, 412-333-9939. Let's go to Kevin, who's called in from Lawrenceville on this. Go ahead, Kevin. You're on 105.9 hey, The X. Hey, Tim, i got a really good one for you. Uh, Cal Ripken's absolutely as synonymous as... Uh, Mary Lemieux and some of the other guys you were naming. Yeah, that's that's probably true. Um, I guess, yeah. Uh, I'm the baseball again being a weird one for me. Like, because I feel like I remember enough about the Orioles' fabled years of the '70s that uh, maybe my mind goes to Jim Palmer, Eddie Murray, or Brooks Robinson almost as quickly, close to as quickly. But for the vast majority of people, you're probably right. You're probably yeah, right. Highest, highest. Uh, voting percentage of all time for the Hall of Fame, so uh, kind of undeniable there. Yeah, but and that's, it's debatable, but you're, you're right. I think you're right on that. Now, when it comes to really good teams, like I struggled being a Celtics fan. I, I posed this question to myself getting ready for the show today. Do I say Russell over Bird? I probably should, but I knew who I grew up watching. I know what Celtic green means to me. It means 33. What about the Lakers? You go west? It's not just like greatest player. It's it's more like Jonathan was saying. I'm not talking about stats and championships and numbers, quantifiable stuff like that. I'm talking about aura and legacy. You know, west, Kobe, Shaq, Kareem. It's like the better the team sometimes it's harder. You can't do that for the Steelers. Uh, mean Joe Green is definitely on a higher level than everybody else, for sure. But is it miles beyond Franco Harris or Terry Bradshaw, especially with the way things have gone downhill with Bradshaw? I, I, I don't know. I'll give you another one from Baltimore. How about this? Is, is anybody more identifiable with the Ravens than Ray Lewis? Ugh. Jeremy and Baldwin. Go ahead, Jeremy. You're on. Hey, Tim. How you doing today? Good, Jeremy. Hey, uh, real quick, talk about what you're, you know, just touch base on what you're talking about right now. The only... Not every team's going to have that. Um, as far as baseball is concerned, the only one that I can think of off the top of my head would be Teddy Teddy Ballgame, Teddy Williams. You know, I brought, I thought about that, too. Um, I thought about Williams, too, because when it came to Red Sox greatness, in part because of the association with the Jimmy Fund and his memory never really left Boston even after he retired and eventually died, the connection seems to be uh, vast with him that spanned a lot of great players, but you know what they never did there to get in front of Williams for a long, long time? They never won. They never won a championship until Big yeah. Poppy came along. I would argue, even though they had Yaz and um, Jim Rice and Clemens, that it might be Poppy who was the closest competitor to Ted Williams in that conversation. Yeah. Hey, Tim, real quick, I just wanted to talk to you. You were talking about Sidney Crosby and Mary Lemieux. Hey, uh, you know, I find it very odd, and I was thinking about this yesterday when you were having this conversation. You know, Sidney Crosby's been with the Penguins for, what, 12 seasons now? You know, and I know the All-Star games aren't what they usually are, but don't you find it odd, you know, I mean, odd to have the greatest player in the game 
not host an all-star game yet in the NHL. What do you mean, like Pittsburgh get an all-star game? Yeah, they haven't had an all-star game. He's barely played. <laughs> he's yeah, been, I know. He's so rarely well, played in the NHL all-star game. I think that might be playing a role. You know, what about marketing? Putting, you know, which the NHL does crap at anyway. But I just find it odd. I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, sure, I'd love to see one here. But I don't feel like, um, how can I phrase this? Like the NHL has somehow ignored the Penguins in the grand scheme of marketing. I mean, like I feel like the Penguins are a very well-marketed team in the National Hockey League. Would it be nice? Would we all love it? Sure. But um, we've got they, – they tried for so long to make the Winter Classic the bigger deal than the All-Star game, and they've been a part of so many Winter Classics or outdoor games or however you want to phrase it um, that I don't feel like they've gotten dissed in that regard. You could disagree if you like, but that's sort of my take on it. At first blush, when I hear that, it's like, I think the All-Star game may have regained a little bit of luster in recent years because we like the three-on-three format and the way that it's set up and the mini-tournament and all that, and people are watching more and kind of engaged in the skills competition. So yeah, maybe soon, but I'm not losing any sleep over it. You can also tweet me, at Tim Benz PGH, where I don't believe we have any updates on the missing Schwantz truck, and this is really starting to concern me. When we come back, uh, the Pitt-Penn State football rivalry is done. The Penn State 2020 schedule is out. We'll continue talking about baseball, hockey, but i got to mix in this conversation as well because I want to tell there's – there's an obvious path that this is going to go down now. It has to go one of two ways. I'll tell you what they are next. Tim Ben's in for Mark. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. This is one of those two-chin strap, bring-the-duct tape type of affairs. What the – the X at 1059. A couple interesting tweets here, Bob, during the commercial break. First of all, from Alfie. State troopers just flew through Claysville towards West Virginia. I think the Schwantz truck guy is getting close to making his last delivery. So I tweeted Kara Sapita with the information. That's got to be it, right? It's got to be it. It's got to be him. Bob made a great point during the commercial break. This is going to end horrifically. Like, he's going to plow into a kindergarten school bus or something like that. Like, drive through a daycare center. There's going to be a police shooting as a result of it. And we're going to feel like a-holes for making fun of it when it first happened. Hey, 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 it started funny. Dumb Yinzer steals a golf cart and drives seven miles down the road and steals a meat truck. Isn't that funny? Oh, mass death and destruction. Oh, that's horrible. Radio hosts make fun of it. Because the worst thing you can be in American society right now is mean. That's the, wor- the worst thing you can do is be mean on the radio or on Twitter. Then you're just the worst possible person. Not the guy who stole the meat truck. The guy on the radio who made fun of the guy who stole the meat truck. Uh, a couple other tweets. Chris got a hold of us on that whole like sports icon thing. He said, what about Gretzky with the Kings? That's a good one. Is there anybody with- iconic with both? Like, you know, Franco Harris with the Steelers and the Seahawks. <laughs> Larry Fitz with the Cardinals. I'll give you that, right? Arizona, there's a good one. Uh, this one comes in from TJ. I think about Tony... <laughs> nope, sorry. I think about Tommy Gwynn and the San Diego Padres. That's Tommy Gwynn, G-W-I-N, and the San Diego Padres. So, of course, I had to retweet that one. Yes, Tommy Gwynn was the best. And he immediately responded back to me, damn autocorrect, I will forever be known now as the Tommy Gwynn guy. Yes, TJ, you will. Thank you for listening. Um, what was the other one I wanted to get to? Oh, there's a good one here from uh, Kyle, 
who said, what about Ovi and Michael Jordan? If I didn't say Jordan on the reset, I apologize. That's the first guy I said to uh, Jonathan Bambouli yesterday when we were talking about it. Him and Brady were the first two that came to mind. So if I didn't say Jordan upon the reset, my bad. But uh, yeah, Ovi's an interesting one. Uh, yeah, he is. He is the most identifiable Washington capital to have never won anything. Of the many Washington capitals to have never won squat, he is the most singularly identifiable with that franchise. No doubt about it. Congratulations, Ovi. Let's go to Derek, who's calling from McKee's Rocks. Derek, go ahead. You're on 105.9 The X. Hi, Derek. You there? Derek going once, Derek going twice. Oh, Derek wanted to talk. That's right. Derek wanted to talk about the Michael Jordan thing. Yeah, Jordan was an obvious one. Uh, we have Stan coming up here. We got to go already. Jeez, that's my bad. I must have gone long before. All right. Uh, real quick here as we go to break, because Stan and I are going to talk about this at length. The Pitt-Penn State rivalry. Penn State, done. They're out. They said that they uh, filled out their schedule for 2020, and the two teams are going to take over for the regular season vacancies after Virginia Tech are Nevada and San Jose State. This has to go one of two ways. Either A, just to screw over Penn State for doing this, either A, Pitt is like 9-3 kind of good, like maybe even 10-2 kind of good, almost a ACC title game good, and Penn State is 11-1, but because they didn't play anybody good, they're the fifth team again out of the, outside of the playoff. Like That's what I want to see. Yeah, you beat San Jose State and Nevada, but your out-of-conference sucked, so you don't get into the playoff. Or, I want it to go this way. Pitt is like, I don't know, 3-9 and nine kind of bad. 2-10 and ten kind of bad. But Nevada or San Jose State is kind of sneaky good, and they upset them, and they're 11-1. And, and that's what keeps them out of the playoff. One of those two, it's got to go one of those two ways. If Penn State's going to do this to kill the rivalry, I want to see it take a snake kind of turn like that. We'll talk to Stan about it when we come back. Tim in for Mark. This is Patrick Hornquist of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX. Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman giving you this Interview with Stan Savern right now from ESPN Pittsburgh and, of course, AT&T Sports Network. Tim Benson for Mark Madden. We've got the Sens and Pens tonight. By the way, anyone with info leading to the arrest and capture of the Schwantz meat truck felon before the end of the show today it receives $1,000 in free meat products. Not for me, but Kara Sapida will buy it for you. And, and if I can't come through on that promise, I'll get you a hot dog. Okay, Stan Saverin joins us right now. You can hear him each and every day on ESPN Pittsburgh. Stan, good to talk to you. Hey, Tim, same here. All right, Stan, so uh, we were talking about this before you came on. We kind of got down the rabbit hole of a conversation with Jonathan Bambouli yesterday about singularly identifiable players with given teams. And it was his contention, like, how many guys out there really are there that are more identifiable with one organization than Mario is to the Pens? And this is born from a conversation of, of Sid getting a goal number 400 and what it would take for Sid to maybe be on the ice, just as identifiable as Mario. Um, obviously, I came up with Brady and the Patriots and, you know, Jordan with the Bulls. And I will ask you, as an Indian fan, who is that player for the Indians? Jose Mesa. <laughs> yeah, Jose Mesa. Um, 
you know, a couple of years after uh, he blew that game in the 90, uh, 97 World Series, um, it was a couple of years after that he became a pirate, if you'll remember. Yes, I remember. <laughs> and I walked into spring training in Bradenton. I was there early that year. And I walked into the clubhouse at Old McKechnie Field. And I walked in, and there he was, not 10 feet from me. And I wanted to go over and just choke him. Um, but he was 6'5 and 280 pounds. He would have squashed me like a bug. Um, so, uh, you know, the Indians have won nothing. I mean, they haven't won a World Series since 1948. Uh, why should I complain? 70 short years. Um, I don't know that there's, you know, really been anybody. Um, you'd have to go back to people who were around, you know, like with Al Rosen and, you know, and guys like that and Bob Lemon when they actually won a World championship um i would guess part of the the resurgence that they had there in the early to mid 90s i think sandy alomar jr um jim tomey uh you know very popular guy um this particular group uh lindor hadn't been there long enough i would might say Corey clover um because he's won two cy youngs but again they haven't won the big one so um, you might have to go back to 1954 when they actually won a World Series. Stan, I am watching uh, the Olympics right now. It's on TV here in the studio. The women are taking the ice for Team USA in the broadcast that I am watching. This could be tape delayed for all I know. I am watching very little of the Olympics. And to be frank with you, I'm actually more interested in the women's outcome than I am the men's because I at least know this is the best of their game. I know what the men are putting out there. It's not their fault who they are, but the Olympics, as far as a hockey product, doesn't interest me all that much on the men's side. What about you? Well, if you're watching a little bit with one eye while you're doing a radio show, that still doubles the amount that I've watched. <laughs> um, I haven't watched it at all. And I'm not trying to make a statement, uh, you know, to each their own. I think it's great people get into it. Um, I'm, I'm just not interested. Um, it's generally not a big topic. If the topic comes up on my show, it's basic generalities. Um, I guess I'm a bit of a hypocrite. Uh, if the men's hockey were NHL-laden, I would watch it. Um, having said that, it's the exact same reason why I won't watch it, most likely. I might watch the United States team, men's team, uh, when they come on. But having said that, and this may label me a hypocrite, I'm glad the NHL is not there. I don't think it's good for the league. In fact, to me, it's the opposite. It's bad for the league. Um, this is the time of year when uh, people generally begin to get interested in the NHL. I'm not talking about hardcore people like us, but, you know, the casual fan that's trying to attract. You know, this is the time of the year that people generally start paying attention to hockey. The Super Bowl's over. It's kind of the doldrums, you know, based on the topics that we're all dealing with uh, on talk shows. Uh, why would you want to stop your season for three whole weeks at the time when it's just getting good and the build-up to the playoffs. The other thing is we all know what it does to the schedule. It compacts it. I mean, already here the Penguins this week are four games in six nights, There and people are complaining about the back-to-backs. Well, when you take out three weeks of the schedule, then you're even compacting even more. Again, I enjoy watching the men's hockey in the Olympics when the NHLers are there, but it's bad for the. It's not bad for the sport. It's bad for the NHL brand. Yes, yeah, Stan, I agree with some of that. What I disagree with is, you know, the shutting down of the league thing and trying to attract the casual fan, like you said earlier. 
Are you talking about for like in each individual specific market? Because I see the point there, but you know, generally speaking, like for instance, some dude in Denver isn't going to care that much about pens and sends tonight, but he would care about Finland versus Team USA. You know what I mean? Well, I'm going to go outside NHL markets because, as we know, the sport is wildly popular in almost every NHL market. That's not the issue. The issue is that they play in the Olympics to grow the sport, not in the particular franchise areas that already exist the problem with that is is that it's happened too many times that people watch the olympics um it happened in the vancouver games because it was you know a relatively reasonable time zone and people were all excited in canada played the united states and sid's golden goal and um, i read an article about this one couple they were somewhere in the middle of kansas they were not hockey fans but they were olympic fans they were united states fans so they watched the, the hockey and said this is great you know when the nhl comes back on we're going to watch some games so what happened when they got back to regular games guys are poking the uh, people in the eye with their sticks and they're slew footing them and they're pounding on each other and this couple said well this isn't what we saw so, so if you're trying to grow the game through Olympic hockey, which is a purer form of it, it's not translating into grabbing new fans. What they're trying to do is connect the dots outside the franchise areas, and they don't do it. It isn't done. It doesn't work. Stan Saverin with us. Make sure you watch him, AT&T Sportsnet, for Pirate and Penguin coverage, as well as listen to him daily on ESPN Pittsburgh. Just upstairs from us right now, Tim Benz in for Mark Madden. Uh, Stan, sticking with hockey for the time being. It's pens and sends tonight. And uh, we had a little bit earlier on in the program, Gord Wilson, the uh, color commentator for Ottawa Games. Uh, we were talking at great length about Broussard and Pajot. That's my biggest point of interest in this game. Not even so much watching the Penguins tonight as it is watching these other guys to see how they might fit with the Penguins, since there's been so much discussion about them being trade targets for Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Um, you know what what removable parts. Um, you know, they might have if they decide uh, to sell, and they might as well. I mean, I think that that ship has already sailed. Uh, they have the second fewest amount of points um, in the national in the Eastern Conference, I should say, third lowest in the NHL. Um, they're not catching up. They're they're not going to get there. Uh, you know, some of the points that are available, and I players that are available. And the one guy that I look at, I think everybody does, is Derek Broussard. I mean, I'd like to get him on the Penguins just so they don't have to play against them anymore. And he's always tortured them with the Rangers, with Columbus. You know, I don't know how much a need there is for a third-line center. It would be great to get one. I, I think that the need is lessened somewhat. Um, but he would be a perfect fit. He's got a nasty edge to him. But, again, what kind of price uh, are you willing to pay? Uh, people are saying, rumor has it, that Ottawa wants a first, um, a top prospect, and a third asset. I don't know if it's worth that. But then, again, if you think that that's the missing piece to a third consecutive cup, why not? Uh, he's always been a thorn in the Penguin side. I mean, he'd be a guy that I'd be looking at. I don't think they'll part with Carlson. I mean, I think they probably, um, that would be almost like trading Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, we can't have that. So um, I don't think they would do that. But there are some other spare, you know, parts that, you know, they might consider dealing. Since you brought it up, that Kutch angle was sort of a part of our sports icon conversation. I didn't put Kutch in that category, but for newer, younger Pirates fans, he's the closest they've gotten, Stan. And I don't know where your head is on this, but I saw a couple stories yesterday uh, on Twitter. I know our guys at the Trib wrote one or two about Josh Bell maybe becoming the new face of the franchise. And 
it is hard for me right now to even think in terms of baseball with the Pirates. I, I just can't get beyond their business decisions and approach this offseason to think about baseball or what the next chapter or generation may look like. Well, Tim, I think that goes in line with the fan base, if I'm reading it uh, correctly. Um, uh, it's one thing to have a happy fan base. It's another thing to have an angry fan base. It's the worst thing to have uh, an apathetic fan base. Uh, and, and I think that if people are just kind of looking at, at them with benign neglect, that's the worst possible path you can have. People just don't care, um, and they'll stay away in droves. Uh, the McCutcheon trade didn't bother me because he was going to be gone at the end or even sooner this year anyway. I mean, everybody knew that. Everybody saw that coming. My biggest issue with that, and maybe more so with the cold trade because I thought it was premature, is the return. That's what bothered me the most. McCutcheon was going to go. We all knew that. Everybody understood that. If it wasn't this off season, it was going to be by the All-Star break, and at the end of 2018, he was going to walk. Um, that was going to happen. My issue is with the return they got. I'll be the first to admit I have no idea uh, what the upside, if there is any of the guys that they got in both trades. I don't know. I mean, I, I've read what I've read. But what I do read is every time there is a trade involving the Pirates, um, the other side seems to say, as best we can tell, oh, you can't have him. Oh, no, he's off the table. And then I see these other deals um, with you know high-named, high-recognizable prospects say, well, they got the number one and the number three best prospects in their system, or this guy was the fourth best rated by Baseball America. And yet those people always seem to be off-limits for the Pirates. Now, again, the third baseman they got, Colin Moran, the pitcher, Musgrave, they might turn out to be great. I don't know. But I always wonder why it is that the other teams, the, their top prospects always seem to be in play in these deals, but for the Pirates, they're hands off. I don't get that. Finally, Stan, let's uh, very quickly get to another topic we had going before we jumped on with you, and I want to get your opinion on it, and that's the dissolving of the Pitt-Penn State rivalry. Uh, two teams that are going to replace Pitt will be San Jose State and Nevada. Uh, I want to see Pitt be really, really good and Penn State not play them and then be left out of the playoff because their non-conference was weak that year, or I want to see Pitt be awful and Nevada be better and like upset them or something. Where, well, where are you on that and just the end of the Penn State pit rivalry? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's not being continued at present. We'll see what happens long term. Uh, I thought that, you know, I thought in 2002 that was going to be the end of it, too. Uh, I would much rather see them play. I think there's value in the game. I think what we get down to is finger pointing. Um, you know, you said this, you said that about me, and, you know, you call this pedophile you, and you did that, and we, we sell more tickets. Uh, it's one of the reasons that I don't like college athletics very much, to be honest with you, that constant backbiting between fans. Um, it's for eight-year-olds, and most people behave like that. It's a game worth playing. It has value, and whoever has a big stadium, whoever has a smaller stadium, whoever sells out, whoever doesn't sell out, there's, it's, it, there's value to it. I think everybody would acknowledge, whatever side you root for, if any, that the week of that game, it might not be like it was in 1982, but the week of that game is probably the most talked about week of the season. I mean, some would point to, well, Penn State's getting ready to play Michigan or Ohio State, whatever it is, but this always carries a lot of weight. All things being considered, it's a game that has a lot of value, and it should be played. 
Stan, in the name of Corey Kluber, thank you very much for joining us. Well, I actually came up with with two better iconic Indians. I thought about it. Feller? Pedro Serrano and Ricky Vaughn. (laughs) Now you're talking Indian icons. Interesting note, I hear that Neil Huntington just traded Josh Harrison to Cleveland for those two guys. <laughs> as long as he brings Joe Boo with him, I'm okay with it. Thanks, Dan. All right, Tim. All right, that is Stan Savin from ESPN Pittsburgh and AT&T Sportsnet. When we come back, Bob McLaughlin joins me. Um, we got to get to this curler, Anastasia Brzgolava. She's stealing the Olympics. Also, any update that we can find on the Schwantz meat truck and a huge debate amongst Olympic ice hockey on the women's side. We'll get to that, too. All that to come before the top of the hour. Tim Benz with you. In for Mark Madden here on 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark. How you doing, brother? Hey, Double M. Thanks for taking the call. Getting the fast lane, Grandma. I'm ready to go to Tim Hortons for some fat-free donuts. The X at 105.9. 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Tim Benz with you. Bob McLaughlin joins me just before the top of the hour here, Bob. First and foremost, do we have any update on the missing-slash-stolen Schwantz meat truck? Unbelievably no. Nothing. This is depressing. We have gone radio silent. It's a big yellow truck with Schwantz on the side of it. Should be pretty easy. I can't believe the truck doesn't have LoJack or something like that. Kara Sapida is on the scene for Channel 11, and she is offering $1,000 in free meat for anybody who has any video information that will lead to the arrest and capture of the Schwantz meat truck felon. She did respond to your tweet. Yes, she did. And by $1,000, we mean a hot dog. Right. Kara and I will each buy you one hot dog, depending on who you tweet first with the information. Right. You have to wait on the Channel 11 uh, helipad to get it. Uh, very interesting result here, Bob, which I'm told is not that interesting because it happened hours ago. America beat Russia in women's hockey 5 to nothing, and somebody scored twice in six seconds. Pounded them. This is women's hockey. This is women's hockey. It was an embarrassment, they said. Okay, I'm watching it right now. And can and I tell you? It's not Russian hockey. It's the Olympic athletes from Russia. Yeah, the group OAR. Awful big group. I didn't realize that they were that big. Uh, yeah, so they smoked these guys, and they beat Finland, too, earlier. The women did, right? Moving on now. So they beat Finland, and during the Finland game, uh, that game was on, like, in the background, and one of my friends, who was a woman next to me, a former female athlete, was incredulous at the fact that they wear makeup. Oh, <laughs> what are they doing wearing eyeliner and playing hockey? And I think she has a point. Hey, empowered. Let's just put it that well, way. Well, that's the thing. Like, you have this conversation, and... the. the the only thing worse than not being a feminist on Twitter is being the wrong kind of feminist. So either you're like a bad feminist because you would do something like that and put makeup on your face while you're competing in a sport, or that sucks because then you're getting in the way of their feminism, which is making themselves being as empowering as possible. Did your friend dare ask that question on social media? No, no, this or is just a conversation. Just to you? I just, I'm amazed it never runs. Like you Why never you see give the- her name out there for everybody so that we know? <laughs> I'm just amazed. It's, it's just it never runs. The right. mascara never runs down their face. Well, oh well. Did you see the collision at half? Oh, light? That, but yeah, that There's was a collision bad. at center ice between an American and a, a Olympic athlete from Russia, and I think they were both knocked out. They may be wearing each other's makeup right now. Well, you know what? None none of the Olympic hockey players compare to Canadian ice dancing porn star Tessa Virtue. <laughs> Tessa Virtue, or the, the new sensation, Russian curling sensation. Anastasia Brizgolava. It was on immediately before this event. She is a smoke show. She's posted all sorts of hot Instagram photos of herself. Yeah. And and her butt <laughs> is humongous big. <laughs> Just no relation, by the way, to 
Brisgolov, the goalie, but humongous big. There's there's some connection there. Very into it to the universe, you know, like how it was created, you know, like what is it, you know, the solar system is so humongous big, right? Oh, it is humongous big in all the right ways. Yeah, it's all the reason in the world to watch mixed curling. Her name is Anastasia Brisgolava. Look her up online. She's like lit up the you internet. You can't miss her. And if you look at Olympic coverage, you're going to find her. Today. And if you're upset about the mascara that the girl hockey players wear, she has her fingernails done with silver sparkly nail polish. That's got to be sponsored because she never wears a glove. Right. She, I guess you need the, the touch on the soapstone or whatever it is. Well, right? no, when she, she drags her fingernails across the ice, too, and it's like, ooh, very nice. <laughs> exactly. Very nice. All right, we come back at the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, we'll get you ready with the Hockey Night pregame show. Jesse Marshall is going to join us at 535 to talk about the rise of Riley Sheehan, among other things. Uh, we'll get back into the Pitt Penn State discussion. And when we come back, if you missed our discussion about the men and the Olympic hockey, we'll discuss that too. Tim Ben's in for Mark Madden.